welcome to the AOL podcast. Let's dive right into this week's message. Amen. Come on, raise your hand. If you, if you need healing in your body tonight, just raise your hand and say, you know what, that's me. Amen. I believe the word says this, Mark 16, believers can lay hands on the sick and see them recover. So why don't you find somebody, if you're feeling good, find somebody, lay your hands on them. And let's get in agreement as a body of Christ. Now, if you don't believe, don't put your hands on them. All right? But if you do believe that he is Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals. So, God, in Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord, that you are the healer. God, I come against any sinus, any virus, infection, disease of any kind. I pray, Lord, for the healing manifestation right now to flow through mortal bodies from the top of their head to the soles to the tips of their toes. I thank you, God, that you are the healer. The chastisement of your peace was upon us and that by your stripes we are healed. God, right now, in Jesus' name, I take authority right now. I take authority over the enemy. And I just pray, Lord, for healing, health, virtue to flow through our bodies. You said with long life you will satisfy us and show us your salvation. So, God, right now I come against cold. I come against flu, runny nose, headaches, all of it, Lord. I pray that bodies line up to the teaching of the Word of God right now in Jesus' mighty name. You sent your Word, and you healed us and delivered us from all destruction. Lord, the Spirit of God is moving through this house, and I pray, Lord, that you're touching mortal bodies in Jesus' name mighty name. And everybody said, amen. Well, why don't you look at three people and tell them, wow, you are the frozen chosen. (laughs) Uh, Oh my gosh, Lord have mercy. And we're not on on Wednesday, our internet's down tonight. So uh, you're going to be blessed that you were here tonight live and in action. All those that thought they would just stay home and be a sissy, you came, and I believe you're going to be blessed tonight. Amen? How many of y'all thankful to be in the house of the Lord? There's joy in the house of the Lord. Open your Bibles, 2 Kings chapter 13. I'm going to read verses 14 through 19. That's what it says. I'm reading out of the Amplified. It says, Now Elisha had become sick with the illness by which we would die which he would die, not we, he would die, (laughs) my Lord. And Joash, the king of Israel, came down to him and wept over him and said, Oh, my father, my father, the chariot of Israel and its horsemen. Elisha said to him, Take a bow and arrows. So he took a bow and arrows. Then he said to the king of Israel, Put your hand on the bow. And he put his hand on it, and Elisha put his hands on the king's hands. And he said, open the window of the east, and he opened it. Then Elisha said, shoot, and he shot. And Elisha said, the Lord's arrow of victory, the arrow of victory over Aram, Syria, for you will strike the Arameans in Aphek until you have destroyed them. Then he said, take the arrows, and he took them. And Elisha said to the king of Israel, strike the ground, and he struck it one, two, three three times and stopped. So the man of God was angry with him and said, you should have struck one, two, three, four, five, or six times. Then you would have struck down Aram until you have destroyed it. You had destroyed it. But now you shall strike Aram only three times. Ah, 20 is too good not to read. Elisha died. That's not the good part. The good part comes up, and they buried him. Now marauding bands of Moabites would invade the land in the spring of the year, and it happened that as a man was being buried, they saw a marauding band, and they threw the man into Elisha's grave. But when the man touched the bones of Elisha, he revived and stood up on his feet. I had to read that anyway. Isn't that a powerful text? I just pray that I have half the anointing Elisha has, that when I die, somebody puts somebody next to my bones that they come to life. Amen? And, and uh, I think there is power in that. You know, as I was thinking about in the heat of the battle, this dead man 
was thrown into Elisha's tomb. I think this is amazing. I'm reading the book right now called Killing the Witches. Amen. <laughs> uh, by Bill O'Reilly. Because I've always, I mean, y'all, uh, if you're like me, I hear stuff sometimes on the, the radio and I hear the, the term witch hunt. And I'm like, I know what it means, but I don't know the history behind that. And so that's how crazy I am. I go down these trails, and I'm reading Killing the Witches of where they came up with that. And it really, it was a witch hunt. These people, really, all they were was were these people that disagreed with their beliefs. And so they called them witches, and they hung them and set them on fire, and they wouldn't even have a proper burial for them. And so as I was thinking about this, as he's thrown in Elisha's tomb, when his, but with the witches, they would totally get rid of their body because they thought that they still had power even in their ashes. How many of y'all know witches don't have power? But there is power in the resurrected name of Jesus Christ. But when his body touched Elisha's bones, he immediately came back to life. And, and that's such an amazing story. But like the dead man in the passage, we, how many of y'all know all of us have got to die to self if we're going to truly experience life? Let's say that again. We've got to die to ourselves if we're, if we're going to experience life. In Matthew 16, 24, it says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up the cross and follow me. He did, he did not say this burden. He didn't say this to burden us, but to liberate us because the more we think about ourselves and live for ourselves, the more miserable we become. Would you all agree with that? But the more we die to self and take up the cross, the more we spring to life. If you want to be effective in ministering to people, raise your hand if you want to be effective in ministering to people. <clears throat> I want to be effective in ministering to other people. But even as Elisha was dead, so too in ministry or in service, you've got to die to popularity. Greg Locke the other night, we went and saw him on Monday night, and he said one of the things uh, that Derek Prince, and I love Derek Prince. I've watched, watched a lot of YouTube videos of him um, from Australia. But one of the things that he said this, he says, when that, this kind of anointing comes on your life, you've got to be ready for ridicule because you will not be popular. And uh, you can see videos of, you, of me on YouTube and TikTok that I'm really not popular to some people out there. But I don't care. Because Galatians 1.10 says this, For do I... For do I now persuade men or God, or do I seek to please men? For I still pleased men, I would not be a bondservant of Jesus Christ. If you take a stand for Jesus Christ and do what you believe is right for the Lord, there will, there will be those who will misunderstand you. And that can be painful, but if you're going to minister, you've got to die in order that life might come out. Jesus said this in Matthew 10, 39, He who finds his life will lose it, and he who loses life for my sake finds it. I have, sometimes I have a hard time with this. I mean, y'all are people like me. I struggle on this point because sometimes when I sense that someone's unhappy with me or disappointed in me, I'm like Monica on Friends. My natural tendency is to keep from making waves and causing offense but I want to remind you what James 3, 2 says, and the Lord reminds me of this. For we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle the whole body. The only situation, or sorry, the only solution is to live for the Lord in such a way that you can say, as Jesus did in John 17, Father, I have finished the work which you have given me and glorified your name. I'm doing what you're telling me to do to the best of my ability, no matter the cost. And if you do that, you die to self, life will spring forth. People will be touched. Lives will be changed. Elisha was a man who, even after his death, still influenced and affected people's lives. Isn't that awesome? How about you? What if the Lord took you home today? What, what if we left such a mark on people's lives that they would be touched by who you are? But that's not my message. I want to talk about arrows of freedom tonight. In, in, in verses 14 through 19, we see something here in the text. We see uh, the kingdom of Syria was oppressing and depressing the nation of Israel. And 
And God desired to bring deliverance to his beat up people by partnering with Joash, the king of Israel. And uh, this is amazing what, what the Lord tells him in chapter 13, because you read in 14, it really does come to pass the way the prophet says it. But God could have easily brought deliverance apart from Joash, but it was his desire and design to use Joash. And this, is, this, this brings me joy and comfort tonight. And I was thinking about why he did this. I think it's because God was not only interested in delivering Israel, but he was also interested in developing Joash. Aren't you thankful that God didn't give up on you? What I love about the book From Dream to Destiny in Robert Morris's book, he talks about all the tests that we go through. And he uses the life of Joseph. He talks about the, the first one is the pride test, the pit test, the palace test, and all these different tests we go through in life. And the first one being the pride test, and what I love about it is what's great about the Lord is we have these tests, and if you fail them, you know what's great? We have a God that says you get to take it again, and if you fail it a third time, you get to take it a fourth time. Aren't you thankful we serve a God that doesn't give up on us, that always comes at us with loving arms? I, and so I believe he was interested in developing this sissy of a leader, Joash. And the same is still true. We often find ourselves down continually bothered and hurt by the kingdom of Satan. How many of you know Satan is an oppressor? He's a destroyer. He's a troubler. Paul said we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, and rulers over darkness. Sometimes you feel, you might feel like a tank has ran over you. Raise your hand if you've ever been that way. Or a bomb has gone off on the inside of you. Or like there are fireworks exploding all around you. That is because you are involved in battle and the kingdom of Satan is seeking to get you down just like the kingdom of Syria sought to take out the kingdom of Israel. You know, I, I alluded to my kids uh, on Sunday and I always like to just make the record straight that my kids are kids. The one running in church is probably my kid, all right? Because we're here all the time, I let him run in church. When there's nobody here on a Tuesday, we're going to run in church, all right? But you, you know, one of the things... Uh, people think all the time, just because in, in, in going back to that point of a pastor's kid, you know why so many people put them on a pedestal. And lots of times pastor's kids do fail, and I, I believe they have, you know, they have high regard for them. But can I tell you this too, pastor's kid, why pastor's kids fail lots of times? Because there is a target on their back by the enemy to take them out. And I know that. I know, there is, I know there is anointing on their mama and daddy's life of my kids. And the devil hates me for it. And he's a troubler. And he's an oppressor. And he's a destroyer. And when you're walking in the fullness of God, you better look out for your kids as well. But can I tell you, in the end, it's worth serving the Lord any day over the enemy. So the attack of Satan manifests itself in three primary ways. I know this. He does it through sin, he does it through sickness, and he does it through self. God not only desires to bring freedom to you, but also to work freedom through you in such a way that others who are hurting may be free as well. This is my testimony. Aren't you thankful for times where people came up here, you're struggling with a certain area in your life, and they get up and tell that so many times the enemy... Well, right there in your seat, isolate you and tell you that you're the only one that's ever gone through the situation that you're going through in your life. But you're sitting three seats down from somebody who just got out of the same pit that you're walking in right now. That's what's great about the church. And so what he'll do is try to uh, isolate isolate you. And and what's great is they'll somebody, it's what's so awesome about a testimony of somebody coming up and say, this is what I'm dealing with, and there's freedom that comes in the room. I want to talk about how does freedom come. When Joash came to Elisha, Elisha told him to open the window eastward in the direction of Syria to shoot an arrow out the window. Now, I would preach on this particular moment because I love this particular story right here and the, all the things the Lord has showed me over the years, but I'm not going there. Elisha, what he does, he placed his hands on the hands of Joash so that when Joash drew back the bow, Elisha's hands were on it. We see it in verse 16. It says, Then he said to the king of Israel, Put your hand on the bow. And he put his hand on it. Then Elisha laid his hands on the king's hands. So in other words, as God's representative, Elisha joined with Joash, who was weak and unable to bring about freedom himself. How many of y'all know when we are weak, 
he makes us strong. And through his son, God does the same with us. I want to remind us. I wasn't going to read it, but I'm going to read it anyway. Isaiah 61 and verse 1. I want to slick back my hair and say, oh, on the end of every, every part of this. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me. You need to tell yourself this every day, no matter what you're going through. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to captives and freedom to prisoners, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God. To comfort all who mourn, to grant those who mourn in Zion, giving them a garland instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the mantle of praise instead of a spirit of fainting. So they will be called oaks of righteousness, the painting of the Lord, that that he may be glorified. How many of y'all know that's the ministry of our master? Are y'all awake tonight? I promise you I'm going to get you out of here in time for the Rangers to win the World Series. Come on. Lord, be with the Rangers right now in the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, that's where they are tonight. Shame on them. I wish I was live right now. It's one thing that's good about baseball. You can have a Holy Ghost meeting and still go home and watch three innings. But going back to Isaiah 61, how many of y'all know that's the ministry of the master? He has come to set the captives free, to liberate the oppressed, to heal the hurting, to bind the brokenhearted, to give the mantle of praise, to make beauty for ashes. Jesus has been sent as the arrow of the Lord's deliverance. I'm going to say that again. Jesus has been sent as the arrow of the Lord's deliverance. Well, that sounds nice, but if it's true... Pastor, why am I so discouraged? Why does sin still have dominion over me? Why aren't I experienced the oil of joy for mourning? Why don't I have the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness? Why is my life still ashes and not a thing of beauty? I believe the answer to that is very possibly that you need to be delivered. Can I tell you, deliverance is on the heart of the Father. Deliverance is available to you, and yet the Lord won't do it apart from from your partnering with Him, joining yourself to Him. He will place His hands upon yours, but you must grab the arrow, open the window, and say, I need you. I got to have you. I need you. There's so many people as a pastor's heart. Can I tell you, there's people that I want to call all the time and check all them and and tell them, like, you need me or you need the Lord. But can I tell you, when I look throughout scriptures, the only people that Jesus helped were the ones who cried out to him. I can't help people that don't want to be helped. So after the... After the initial arrow was launched, Elisha told Joash to take the rest of the arrows out of the quiver and beat them on the ground. And this is where we see it, 2 Kings chapter 13, verse 18. Then he said, take the arrows, and he took them. And he said to the king of Israel, strike the ground. Oh, I so want to preach tonight. And he struck it three times and stopped. That's why I have notes, so I could stay on task and teach to y'all. And he struck it three times and stopped. So the man of God was angry with him and said, you should have struck, the, struck it five or six times. You know what I see right here in the text that so many times, well, I'm, an, I'm, trying, I'm getting ahead of my, myself, but all throughout Scripture we see the man who went, Naaman, who went and dipped in the Jordan River seven times. It wasn't the number of seven. It was the fact that after you do it once, you're going to have to do it again, and then you're going to have to do it again, then you're going to have to do it again, then you're going to have to do it again. And then when you wake up on Monday, you're going to have to do it again on Tuesday, and then on Wednesday, and then on Thursday. And when you do it in January, you're going to have to do it in February, and then you're going to have to do it in March, and then you're going to have to do it in April. And when you do it in 2020, you're going to have to do it in 2021, and then you're going to have to do it in 2022. Come on, this is how a successful believer lives every single day. So he said, and said, you should have struck it five or six times. Then then you would have struck Aram until you would have destroyed it. But now you shall strike Aram only three times. So Joash took the rest of the arrows out of the quiver and beat them once, twice, three times. Then he stopped. 
I can so see Elisha right here. It's like, why'd you stop on the third time? He's looking at him like, you're done? What is the matter with you? You should have struck the arrows five or six times. But because you only hit them three times, you only have a partial victory over Syria. Can I tell you where the most vulnerable times in my life is when I have a win with God? I'm going to just be vulnerable right now. That's the easiest time for you to get your guard down. People come to church on a Sunday morning wanting to get victory in their life and their marriage with their kids. And they come just a handful of times. And when things start turning around, what do they stop doing? They stop striking the ground. You've got to continue to strike the ground. What do these arrows speak of? I believe they speak of the arsenal we have been given by the Lord to bring about the deliverance he intends for us to experience on a daily basis. So here's the first one. Pastor, you're beating a dead horse, I know. But I'm just going to I'm going to strike the ground right now. You ready? The first one is this, is the arrow of prayer. Pastor, you talked about this on Sunday. I know y'all didn't listen. The most important arrow in your arsenal is prayer. I believe this. We can we can do more than pray, but we can't do anything until we first pray. And yet What do we do with the arrow of prayer? All too often, we tap it lazily, lethargically, and half-heartedly. Consequently, Elisha would say to us, you should have taken the arrow of prayer and beat it six times fervently, energetically, and expectantly. But because your prayers are routine and mindless, your deliverance is only partial. You know, one of the things that I hear all the time, Pastor, I just wish I could pray like you. No, you don't want to pray like me. You want, to, you want the prayer language that you have for you, right? You, you, you want to do what's designed by the Lord. But you know what I learned in Bible school? I went to a class of prayer uh, that, that went towards m- my degree. And, it was, and there was, in the beginning of it, she, she did teach us how to pray. But you know what the last part of the semester was? We prayed. And, you know, just like your heavenly language, those of you that, that have been filled with the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues, I can tell you when, like, I was a little kid, uh, I don't remember what my prayer language was, but I remember it was the same word over and over and over. I remember leading, uh, praying this over a young man in youth one time, and he said, Abba, 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 Abba. Well, that means father, right? I said, well, that's good. Well, that's the only word that I say. But here's the deal. It's just like if you was... If, if you was to give me the language of Espanol, which I know more than one word, but only thing that you knew was como estas. When you first were trying to talk to somebody, you'd say como estas, como estas, como estas, como estas, como estas. But as you begin to develop that language on the inside of you. My mother growing up, when I would listen to her and my dad pray in tongues, there would be times where I thought she was like, well, what were those people with the, the funny heads on uh, Star Trek? Cleons. <laughs> She would, like, be Russian in her prayer language. Then she would be, like, uh, Chinese. I'd come downstairs and say, hey, let's have some fried rice after that prayer. Come on. What I'm saying is just that's in your prayer language. But also, too, when you pray, here's the deal. I, I don't pray like this because I just woke up one day and prayed like this. I pray because I pray every day in the mornings. Well, what do you do? I talk to God. That's what I do. I talk like he's right there. You know why? Because he is right there. Amen? And that's and, and over time, just begin to share, Lord, your word says this, and your promises are true. Your promises are yes and amen. So if you want to develop a prayer life, this is what you got to do. You got to pray. In James chapter 5 and verse 17, it says, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. Isn't this good? Like ours. I love it. And he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the earth for three years and six months. Then he prayed again, and the, and the sky poured rain on the earth, and the earth produced its fruit. That's why we pray for rain. So we're told here in James chapter 5 that Elijah was a man like us, and yet he was a man of power because he was a man of prayer. As he prayed for rain to come, he placed his head between his knees and prayed not once, not twice, Not three times, 
But seven times in the intensive posture of prayer. Let's look at it. First Kings chapter 18, verse 42. It says, so Ahab went up to eat and drink, but Elijah went up to the top of Carmel, and he crouched down on the earth and put his face between his knees. He said to his servant, go up now, look toward the sea. So he went up and looked and said, there is nothing. And he said, go back seven times. And he came about at the seventh time, and he said, Behold, a cloud as small as a man's hand is coming up from the sea. And he said, Go up, say to Ahab, Prepare your chariot and go down so that the heavy shower does not stop you. Why did he put his head between his knees? In that day, this was the position of birthing, and he was birthing something through prayer. How many of y'all know there's just some times in prayer you just got to push? One, two, three, push. That's the kind of prayer we need if we're to prevail against the kingdom of Satan. Parents, I want to tell you, when there's attack on your kids, you can't just pray one time. You can't just strike the ground one time. You, there's some times where you're, you may just have to put your head between your legs and push some things out. Oh, how I love to be with men who know how to pray. Notice I said men here, it's with women all the time. Men, I desire to be a man of prayer, to press into the presence of God. In Genesis 32, we read that Jacob wrestled all night with the Lord and said, I will not let you go until you bless me. See, when you feel down, have you wrestled all night in prayer, saying, Lord Jesus, I'm not going to let you go until I receive my freedom. That's the kind of prayer that moves the hand of God. Here's the second one is the arrow of the word. Pastor, you say this all the time. Well, I'm going to say it. I'm going to give you some good ones tonight. When Jesus was doing battle against Satan in Matthew 4, when he was tempted in all three ways, the Bible says in Hebrews that he was tempted in all three ways as man, did not give in, in to any of them, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Every time Satan came at him, Jesus repelled him by quoting Scripture. The Word of God is a powerful weapon in your arsenal, an arrow that will bring about freedom. But how do we handle that arrow? So many times, we get up in the morning, let's see, I might have time for a devotion this morning. Where shall I read? Should I just skim through it? That's why you got to have a plan. There's so many people like this. For out of Jerusalem will come a remnant. From out, for out of Amarillo will come a remnant. And from Mount Zion, a band of survivors, the zeal of the Lord hosts will do this. What does that even mean? I don't know. I'd study it down the road. But where shall I read? I don't know. Oops. You know what? It's time to go. I got to go to work. I believe Elisha would say to us, take those arrows and beat them on the ground. Memorize the scripture. Meditate on the word. Study to show yourself approved by God. Verbalize the scriptures. But we keep the arrow in its quiver and dust it off only occasionally and half-heartedly and then wonder why we don't walk in freedom. How many of y'all know this is the word of the Lord? How many of y'all know this is Jesus in a book? Amen? Nothing should have higher priority than studying this book. I love to read books. You guys know this about me. But I don't, love it any, I don't love any of them more than I love this one right here. And those who study the word consistently, there's a continual pattern of growth and victory in their life. Can I get an amen from the word readers out there? Here's the next one, the arrow of the word of faith. The arrow of the word of faith. Jesus said, say to this mountain, be removed, and it shall be removed. That's Matthew 17, verse 20. Too often, too much of our talk is about why we're discouraged or why we're upset. You don't believe me? Go to, go to Facebook. Negative attitudes and talk should be done away with. Instead, we should speak words of faith and life. In Zechariah chapter 4, we read that Zerubbabel was discouraged when the project of rebuilding the temple was stalled. If you have your Bible, Zechariah chapter 4. I wasn't going to go here, but I'm going to go ahead and go here. Zechariah chapter 4, verses 1, it says, Then the angel who was speaking with me returned and roused me as a man who is awakened from his sleep. Evidently, by this point, if you've read Zechariah up until this point, the first three chapters, Zechariah was emotionally exhausted by the visions he had already seen. And this angel 
comes to him and wakes him from his deep sleep uh, that the vision might continue. So just like Zechariah was awakened that he might see, it's same with us. When we come to, our, come to church, Bible studies, or during our morning devotion, we need to say, send an angel, if necessary, to wake me up. How many of y'all know if you see an angel, you'll wake up anyway? Give me up, Father. Don't be lazy. I'm ready to strike the ground. Don't let me snooze through this life. Awaken me. After being prepared for the vision, Zechariah is presented with the vision. This is verse 2. He said to me, what do you see? I, and I said, I see and behold a lampstand, all of gold, with its bowl on the top of it, and its seven lamps on it with seven spouts belonging to each of the lamps which are on the top of it. So in this vision, Zechariah would understand what this lampstand or this candlestick was all about because he was not only a prophet, but he was also a priest. Part of the priest's job in the tabernacle and the temple was to fill the lamps with oil and trim the wicks of the lampstand that, um, that stood in these holy places. But this was different from any lampstand Zechariah had ever seen before because the top of this lampstand was a reservoir filled with oil that would flow through pipes uh, to each lamp. So it goes to verse 3. Also two olive trees by it, one on the right side of the bowl and the other on the left side. So on each side of the lampstand stood an olive tree which produced the oil for the reservoir that emptied into pipes through which the oil for the reservoir was carried. So from verse 12, we know this, that these trees were connected to the reservoir in such a way that oil was provided uh, directly into it. So in other words, there was no need for harvesting or crushing the olives to make the oil for the lamps. Zechariah probably was rejoicing that I got to make the oil for it. So now in verse 4, it says, Then I said to the angel who was speaking with me, saying, What are these, my Lord? So after being prepared for the vision and presented with it, Zechariah now gets excited. Verse 5, So the angel who was speaking with me answered and said to me, Do you not un know what these are? And I said, no, my Lord. Verse 6. Then he said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, saying, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. I love this, this whole thing right here, because if you, you have to read it from the beginning up until this point. It's not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts, because throughout Scripture, Oil is a picture of the Holy Spirit, and a perfect picture it is. Oil brings about lubrication. And what does it get rid of? It gets rid of friction, just as the fruit of the Spirit is love. In addition to being a source of illumination, oil brings healing. I'll say that again, oil brings healing. Just as the good Samaritan poured oil in the wounds of the man who had been beaten, James instructed the elders of the church to anoint those who were sick. In James chapter 5, verse 14, we read in Mark 14, but also in Matthew 26, oil is also the base of costly fragrance. The Holy Spirit illuminates the word for us. He reduces the friction between us. He heals our hearts. He's a soothing perfume that allows us to take on a fra fragrance that is very unlike our natural sense. Amen? You can tell when somebody has been meeting with the Father and the power of the Holy Spirit. So he says in verse 7, this is where I'm getting to. What are you, O great mountain, before Zerubbabel, you will become a plain. And he will bring forth the top stone with shouts of grace, grace to it. The Lord told him, to shout grace to the cornerstone of the foundation. Are you seeing this? So Rubabel might have thought this was foolish, but he did it anyway, and it released something in the spirit that brought about the completion of the project. What I'm getting at tonight is talking about the arrow of the word of faith. What project is before you? Is there a mountain that's in front of you? Speak to it. Shout at it. Why do you got to shout? I don't know, because the enemy's loud inside of my head, and I want to be louder than the enemy in my head. Release a word of faith in that situation. Amen? Don't talk about why it can't happen. Speak words of faith of how it can. Take the arrow of faith and smash it. Say, I'm not 
going to settle for this destruction in my marriage. I'm striking the ground. I'm not going to settle for this destruction in my family with my kids. I'm not going to settle for this dispute inside of my workplace. I'm the head and not the tail. I'm above only and not beneath. He will supply all of my needs. Amen? According to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Even if you have to get by yourself in the bathroom, come on, you talk yourself into it. Amen? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Get in the car. You can scream in there. Amen? I've done it all the time. I did it today when I was driving uh, uh, on the loop. Come on. Oh, I went to the enemy's camp, and I took back what he stole from me. All right. Is there any Pentecostals in the room? You got to take the arrow of the word of faith and hit it against the ground. And I'm telling you, can I tell you from experience, you will experience freedom. Sometimes you just got to remind yourself of what is wrote inside the word of God. And it's faith cometh by hearing and hearing the word of God. Here's the next one is the arrow of praise. We see in 2 Chronicles 20, Jehoshaphat, as they wage war against the enemies, the armies of Israel preceded by a choir who sang, Praise be the Lord, his mercy endures forever and ever. I'm not going to read the story to you, but you know, when the praise came out of the choir, the Lord showed uh, Jehoshaphat how they were going to get out of this. The enemy was so caught off guard that they began to slay each other. How many of y'all know we need to be loud enough and our praise ought to roar loud enough that it, that it distracts and confuses the enemy to start killing themselves? And by the time the army of Israel arrived at the scene, there was nothing more to do than simply collect the spools, the army that it destroyed itself. There is power in praise. There is power in praise. I want you to think about next time we have a, a, in, in a song service, when you're, when you're praising the Lord, think about what you're singing. Don't just tap through a couple of songs with your arms crossed and humming. If you put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, you will find the spirit of heaviness fleeing from you quickly. Come on, I'm talking about some arrows of freedom tonight. Here's another one that I wanted to put in here, the arrow of communion. All of these things I feel like we take for granted. We take prayer for granted. We take the word for granted. We take the word of faith for granted. We take praise for granted. When we take communion, it's like we get the holy tortilla and some grape juice. And we just think it's another thing. Some people are bored by communion. I'm not. I believe there is power in communion. In 1 Corinthians 11, Paul said many were sick, weak, or even dying because they didn't value the table of the Lord. Take and eat, Jesus said. This is my body that has been broken for you. Drink. This is my blood shed for you. We see that in 1 Corinthians 11. There is much more power in the Lord's table when we can even, that we can't even imagine. When you eat of the bread and drink of the cup of Jesus Christ, in a sense, you are being born again and again and again. And how many of y'all need that in your life? I know I do. Amen. When I fail to do that or when I, I do it haphazardly or sporadically, my deliverance will only be partial. But when you come to the Lord's table expecting a fresh measure of his grace and forgiveness, he'll meet you in that place and your deliverance will be full. I'm convinced that far too many people are depressed for no real reason other than a failure to realize that freedom has been granted in the arrows of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? A failure to take the arrows he left for us and smash them against the ground of our own disbelief. The Lord's table, the power of praise, the spoken word of faith, the written word of God, passionate prayer. Whichever arrow you grab, grab it energetically and beat it expectantly for without faith it is impossible to please him. Why didn't Joash smite the arrows more than three times? I believe there's three reasons. My closing thoughts right here. First, I'm speaking from experience here. First, I thought this. He probably thought unworthy. I mean, I've ever felt unworthy before. Use somebody else, Lord. Don't use me. 
I believe Joash, as you read through this, Joash was well aware of the fact that he was not considered one of the most righteous kings in all of Israel. I'm sure he felt that's great for Jehoshaphat or Asa or the prophets, but the Lord doesn't really want to deliver me or work through me. Others can pray. Others can praise. Others can have the word of faith, but not me. Others can witness, but not me. I'm not quite good enough. That is so a lie from the pit of hell. The ministry, gifts, and work of God are not dependent upon who we are. They're dependent on who he is. I'm going to say that again. The ministry, gifts, the work of God are not dependent on who we are. They are only dependent on who he is. Staff, pay attention. I'm going into a new series. I don't know what you want to call it, but I'm going to talk about Ezekiel chapter 1. I'm going to talk about the four faces of the, of, of the lion, of the, the ox, the man, and the eagle. Now, I'm not going to go out of Revelation chapter 4, or sorry, chapter 5, the four faces of the Messiah. I'm going to talk another vein of what I believe they mean. The face of the lion is the face of authority. The face of the ox is the face of humility. The face of the man is the face of humanity. You are limited on what you can do as a person. But with God, all things are possible. I don't know what you want to call it. Cody, are you paying attention wherever you are? All right. We can call it. What creature features, I don't know, something like that. So the work of God are not dependent on who we are. They are dependent on who he is. And he is gracious God who desires to use the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. The weak to show up the strong. God is looking for trophies of his grace. And many of us qualify because like Joash, we know how unworthy we are. The second thing that I think that he was going through his mind, Joash was unconvinced. How many of y'all convinced tonight? All right, JC, praise the Lord. I'm convinced, but I believe Joash was unconvinced. Maybe he thought, here I am tapping these arrows, claiming freedom, but the one telling me to do this is sick and dying. Right? Elisha, he's sick and dying. If deliverance is real, why is he sick? If the power of God is available, why is he dying? You will pay attention right here. You will always stay beaten if you look at other people. You will always stay defeated if you look at other people. You'll wonder why the Lord is using that person and not the other. Keep your eyes on people and you'll tap arrows halfway all the time. But if you fix your eyes on Jesus, your faith will soar. Hebrews 12, 2, fixing your eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despised the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. The third thing that I see on Joash, maybe Joash was unsure whether or not he wanted to see the Syrians really destroyed. And this is one of the things where I see Christians beat the arrows halfway. It's because... I don't really know that they really want to be free. Or is it possible they just really enjoy negativity? I'm really asking myself these questions sometimes. I really do. Is it possible that you enjoy infirmity because it gives you sympathy? Because people feel sorry for you. Sometimes it's easier to say, feel sorry for me, than it is to take authority over something. I know that there can be a tendency for us to find reasons why we're depressed and oppressed just to, to justify why we're not moving in faith and fervency to a man who was lame for 38 years. You know the story. In John chapter 5, he said, will you be made whole? Will you? Wouldn't you think the answer would be obvious? Yet the man's answer was, I have no man to put me in the water. He didn't say yes. Instead, he gave the reason why he couldn't be healed. After 38 years, he had grown accustomed to being lame and perhaps didn't want to deal with the responsibility of what it would take place if he was indeed made whole. 
And what's sad is that's where we're living in America today because if you stay sick, you can get even more money from the government. And it's made people in bondage to an infirmity. Don't shout me down, but that's the truth. So this is what I'm saying. This is, this is how people are feeling. As long as I'm mad at the church, I don't have to give to the vision. As long as I'm mad at the leaders, I don't have to come on Wednesday night. That'd be really good if I was online right now. Amen? As long as I'm mad at the Lord, I don't have to get up early to spend time with him. What do we do? We find reasons to stay lame. And that's exactly what you are. You are lame. Maybe Joash didn't want the Syrians totally annihilated. Beaten back a little, sure, but wiped out. That was a whole nother matter altogether. The Lord desires to shake us out of our rocking chair. Let's say that again. God desires to shake us out of our spiritual rocking chairs. To give us complete victory. Not haphazard. Not halfway. (laughs) I almost said it. We're about to have real church. I'm cleaning it up for you guys, all right? He wants to shake us out of the rocking chair. Can I get an amen? He wants us to live in complete victory. So let us be those who worship with intensity, who pray with expectancy, who speak the word of faith loudly, who read the word consistently, who move out energetically, and we do it all for his glory. Amen? I want to be that person. I don't want to strike the down, just like I said before, just, you know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. And, I, and, I, and then, you know, Thursday, I just got busy, Friday, Saturday. But then Sunday, we read our Bibles at church. We praise there. We pray there, or I do. And then Monday and then Tuesday, and we let go. No, you're going to have to do it Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. You're going to have to do it in January, in February, in March, in April, in May, in June. Come on, do you want to live in victory in your life? I'm trying to help you out here. Let's stand to our feet. Let's make a confession to the Lord. Only if you want to walk in victory. If you don't, just stay silent. All right? Say this with me. Lord Jesus, I believe, close your eyes with me, that you are the Son of God and the only way to God, that you died on the cross for my sins and rose again from the dead, that on the cross you were made a curse, that on the cross you were made a curse, with every curse that is due to me, that I might be redeemed from that curse and enter into the blessing. Lord, I confess any sins committed by me or any of my ancestors, I ask for your forgiveness tonight. I also forgive every other person who ever harmed me or wronged me. I forgive them as I have God, as I have God forgiven me. God forgive me. Also, I forgive myself. I renounce all contact with any form of witchcraft. I commit myself to get rid of any contact objects. And now, Lord, having received by faith your forgiveness with the authority I have as a child of God, I choose tonight to stay in victory In prayer, the word, word of faith, praise, and communion, I now release myself and those under my authority from any curse over my life. Right now, in the name of Jesus, I declare release. I claim it. I receive it by faith. In the name of Jesus, thank you, Jesus. Amen? I believe it by faith. Walk in freedom.
Amen. Walk in freedom. Let me pray for you tonight. God, I thank you for your word. I pray that tonight that this would not go in one ear and out the other. But, Lord, we'd be reminded of a man humble enough to go to the prophet and ask him, how am I going to walk in victory? And, Lord, I just pray that tonight that we, we, we got something that went down inside of our spirits tonight. We choose to beat the ground tomorrow. We choose to beat the ground on Friday. We choose to beat the ground on Saturday. And on Sunday, we choose to beat the ground. And, Lord, we choose to live a life of consistency, God, in your word. Consistent, Lord, in praise. Consistent, God, in, in communion. Consistent, Lord, in the word of faith and in prayer. God, we just pray that we would uh, walk by faith and not by sight. Not by power nor by might, but by your spirit, says the Lord of hosts. We, shoot, we choose to shout grace over this situation. And, Lord, we just pray that you are opening doors and you're shutting doors that need to be shut. God, right now, I pray that we would there would be something that rise up in us. And, Lord, every door that gets ahead of us, Lord, I pray that we would have spiritual eyes to see that door. And, Lord, use us at your discretion, God, to be a light in a dark world. God, if we're to open that door, if we're to plant a seed in front of that door, whatever it is, I pray, Lord, for the favor of God to be with us, guide us, direct us, in front of us, behind us, all around us, Lord. Favor of the Lord. I speak blessings over your people tonight. I pray your angel protection over them. Keep them in all their ways that no evil befall them. No weapon formed against them shall prosper. Whatever they put their hand to shall and will prosper. I pray, Lord, that they would walk in deliverance that they would walk in freedom, that they would, uh, uh, with long life, you will satisfy them and show them your salvation. In Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, amen. Thank you for coming to church tonight. And go Rangers. Well, we want to thank you for joining us on our podcast today. We pray that you heard from God and that this message was for you. If you haven't already, hit the subscribe button and leave us a review. It helps us reach more people with this message. Arena of Life takes pride in connecting to God, to church, and to people. And we wanna connect with you. So don't forget to check us out on all social media platforms, to check out our website, arenaoflifechurch.org, and to download the Church Center app and to choose Arena of Life as your church. And a special thanks to those who make a difference by giving generously. You help us change lives and produce weekly content like this that reaches the world. If you're interested in partnering with us, you can give by clicking the link in our bio through the website arenaoflifechurch.org or through the Church Center app. May the Lord bless you and keep you, and we'll see you next week. Music